starting a book, the book of Amos today, and uh, it is a minor prophet, as I mentioned earlier, and when you study Amos, um, uh, it is one of those uh, prophets, he's one of those prophets that uh, make you think about the prophets of old that would come and speak uh, very harsh words at times, and you will see that today. Amos' words are difficult, and there are things, areas where all of us need to consider kind of where we are. So Mark Dever kind of walked through those minor prophets and asked uh, kind of one big question for life. And this question is, for this book, does God care? So some of you um, today may have faced different things in your life and you think like, there were moments where I thought, I don't know, did he care? Does he care? Uh, Does he care about injustice, which is something that has been discussed uh, all around us in this time period in our history and at different time periods in our history, in the history of all different countries and uh, different time periods. And you could think about that. Does he care about injustices in the world? Does he care when governments mistreat people? Does God care about that? Is he aware of that? Does he consider that? Does he care when the rich have oppressed the poor? Does he care um, that we are prejudiced? Does he care for his people throughout history? And like, does he care about his people that are persecuted? And Amos addresses all those things. And you may say, well, I mean, I don't want to hear about it. We talk about it all the time or whatever. But the reality is, is Amos addresses those things. It's not all that he addresses. And really, you could say... The Bible addresses those things. When somebody asks Jesus, what are the greatest commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Did Jesus not address those things? He did. And so that's just a reality, something we need to consider. God cares, and these things are not overlooked. He's paying attention. He will address the oppressor. He cares what's going on not only in the world at large, he also cares what's about what's going on in the church. God cares about how we treat our brothers and sisters in Christ across the world. And he cares about how nations and peoples are treated in their own country. The Lord sees all of those things. If you were to think about when God set up a country the country of Israel, and it was, uh, you could call a theocracy, and God is considering all the things that are kind of going to go on in a country, Uh, there were marginalized people that he knew that people might mistreat. And so, if you read the Bible, and you look at his law, his standards for how a nation uh, should treat those people, He had laws for the widow, for the orphan, and for the stranger. And what did he do? He had them leave after they harvested. For those people that could not, like, did not have land, a place of their own, and for those who could not cultivate it, he left the corners of the fields for them. They had to go out and harvest the grain. That was just a way that he did that. When someone fell on hard times... In Israel, you were to take those people in, 
but then eventually release them and let them return to the land that God had given that particular group of people. So he set all of those things up. Now when we read this, we realize we're not in a theocracy, we're not over in the land of Israel. All of you don't have like a family in different you know, spots that you had been given and all of that. We live in the U.S., we know that we're a part of a heavenly kingdom, while at the same time we have earthly citizenship in a nation, and that makes things distinct, and I think it's important. We also know that we live in a capitalistic society. Uh, Many people would see that as one of the greatest economic systems in the world, but just we understand, like, even though uh, many of us really do think, oh, that's a blessing and it's a wonderful thing, it's not perfect. Because people are not perfect. Systems aren't perfect. I mean, that's just the reality. We all have to say that when we are looking at it. We're we're living in a fallen world, and so we face all kinds of troubles. But today, what we're just trying to say for us is, is Amos said, like in a time of prosperity, when this nation of Israel was doing really well, when they were experiencing like, Uh, a lot of rest in their borders, and they were prosperous. During that time, there were people being oppressed. That's basically what he said. And that's just the reality of, again, all, all nations of all times in any place, we understand that that can be a struggle, and Amos understood that to be a struggle. And so it's important to see it. So we should demonstrate the heart of God, We should be for righteousness and truth. We should treat one another with the utmost care and concern. We should love tangibly and use our means to protect those who are marginalized, forgotten, or broken. That's just important. This week, I guess in light of this, in God's providence, there were three moments in my life where I thought, oh my goodness, like this is very practical for me. Three. One was... I met a 26-year-old guy who had been in prison for 10 years, so since he was 16. And he uh, was looking for a job to take care of his family. Um, His past was carried with him to situations, right? But again, he was 16 years old. I mean, there were things you did at 16 that you think, how could I have done that, right? And so he's got these 10 years rightly so. I mean, it's like he committed the crime, did the time, but now he's trying to get his life in order, right? So it was one of those moments where how are you going to respond or how would you kind of give this person a leg up? Another man, and I didn't know this till the end of the week. Someone told me about this guy and said, hey, there was this guy that uh, he's been working at this place all week. And he hadn't really had much to eat because he's been out of work for a month, but he's kind of one of those people that doesn't just want to go tell everybody that. And it's like, what? He was hungry this whole week? You kidding me? Like, and then you might say, well, he should have, before he quit the last job, he should have, you know, you could have all these reasons of why you think that, you know, he should have been in a better state or whatever. You can make this long list. But I would just say to you, like, you need to check yourself. If that's your response, what's wrong with you, right? Uh, The third thing that I just kind of encountered was there was a guy that had been struggling on getting some dental work, which I know a few dentists, which is really nice, right? 
And uh, that was a real blessing. But he had been waiting because he, uh, $250 is a lot of money. And he couldn't get that addressed. Like, and he didn't, he just kept putting it off. Because that's a lot for him. And we have to be careful. I think all of us have to consider, like, where are those areas where we need to consider ourselves and even maybe a mentality of starting to think like, well, you know, like I'm in this place because of all I've done. And we almost could look at it and look in the mirror and be like, God should have blessed me for everything that I've done right. And Amos says, oh, is that the spirit of what God's blessing should look like in your life? I've done all this stuff. I deserve all this. And these other people you know, and I kind of look down on them or whatever. So Amos is going to address that because he knows in whenever we're prosperous, sometimes instead of seeing prosperity as a means by which God is allowing me to greater, like bless people, other people, uh, and bless his people around the world, that kind of thing, we forget that we are to serve others. So the prophets are good because the prophets say, you know what? Uh, I know you're trying to push aside uh, God's word and his ways and his will, but uh, we're not going to let you. That's kind of what the prophets do. They don't let us. The prophets are very clear. And so the prophets in the Bible uh, will show the people how they break God's law, and then they will say, God's going to judge you for that, and there will be this kind of like, but turn to him in repentance. And then if the people harden themselves enough, He'll say, you know what, whether you repent or not, like God's judgment is coming, and then there's this hope for the future. It's kind of a lot of times with them. So judgment and mercy are spoken of through the prophets. So we're looking at Amos today. Amos is from the southern kingdom. If you don't know this, uh, Israel was divided between the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Amos is from the southern kingdom, and God calls him to go up to the northern kingdom and to speak to them. And uh, he's just kind of an old farmer guy, and he, uh, that's what you find out in Amos 7. He doesn't really have any credentials, and so these really prosperous people that are kind of see themselves as like, again, they've been in such a long period of blessing, they see themselves maybe above him, and he comes in and he speaks to them, and they say, go home. And uh, he, they say, like, go make your bread elsewhere, because we don't hear your message. And Amos says, uh, I tell you what, like I already make my bread elsewhere. God told me to say this to y'all, and there it is. And guess what? Amos' prophecy does come true. And 40 years later, those people are drug out of their houses, and they're drugged off away into a place of judgment. And guess what? They never came back. They never came back. So it's just a sobering kind of message. So I want you to hear that and understand that and for us to kind of consider that. Now, if you're in Amos, I just want you to look with me real quick so you can see it because I'm not making stuff up. At this church, when we study the Bible, we actually mean we study the Bible. We're actually reading it together, looking at it and unpacking it in a way that you could understand. We're looking for the flow of the book. We're not coming up with like, God told me to tell you all this. This is like, this is what God said. Now I'm trying to help you see it. So Amos 1 and 2, just notice, uh, you see all of these judgments against the nations. You'll see for three transgressions and for four. And then you go to chapters 3 through 6, and you're going to see like five prophetic 
words. And we're going to see how that kind of fits together. And then you move on to chapter 7, and you're going to have five prophetic visions. And then you're going to go to the very end of the book, and there's going to be a promise of blessing and renewal. So that's kind of how it breaks down. Highly structured. You can see it. It's very clear. You're going to see those key words that put it all together. What is the theme of the book? Uh, one author noted this way, and I'm not sure exactly who said it. I couldn't remember. But it, God is angry because his people are getting rich by oppressing their own kinsmen and despising the righteous and his word. So God is angry because they're oppressing people and despising people. So they're despising the righteous and they're oppressing um, the poor. Their own family, by the way. It's kind of, you know, just as a side note. Okay, so in chapter 1, verse 1, this is what we find out that it was the 8th century when this was written. And there were, uh, King Uzziah was in the southern kingdom, which where Amos is from, and then the northern kingdom where he's prophesying, Jeroboam II is there. Okay? And I, I want you uh, just to write this down if you're, you know, again, we're studying this together. But chapter 7, verses 10 through 17, it will tell you a little bit about the whole kind of situation I've already mentioned. He's just a prophet. He goes into the northern kingdom. They tell him to go back home. We don't need your words around here. And again, Amos had told him, I'm not a professional. I don't have any skin in the game. God just told me, come talk to you. Okay? So let's look at chapters uh, 1 and 2 just real quick. You ready? There is a roar of judgment. The lion has spoke. God has spoken to them. And you see that phrase. I just want you to see it. Thus says the Lord. Right? It's mentioned over and over again. And there's this repeated phrase, for three transgressions and for four. Have you ever said, I told you once. That's what I say usually. I told you once to come in here to my kids, let's say. If I have to come a second time, like I'm coming and I'm going to address your rebellion. I wouldn't say it just like that. But I'm coming after you. You know, or you say, look, I gave you two chances, third strike, you're out. You, yeah, maybe you said that. It's like God is saying, your sins have come to me, not that you've sinned four times, but that your sins have come and we've stacked them up. And now the, for, this, the fullness of that has come and judgment's falling. That, that's kind of the picture here. And you may have been in that place before. You'd be like, Lord, please forgive me this time. And then you get back on your knees and, Lord, forgive me this time. And then the third time, and then you're like, man, I don't even want to go. I don't want to go there again, right? Well, we can be on either side of that for three transgressions and for four. So God has said that the fullness of your sin has kind of measured up. Now, what is going on? I just want you to see it. Because we're going to bounce through this thing and think about Amos. Amos comes in, he's speaking to these people, and he is saying to them, uh, you're, you're a wicked people and you need to uh, come under God's um, concern, listen to him, whatever it may be. Now, look where he starts, though. He starts with the nations. He's starting with those wrapping around Israel. 
He's saying these people are wicked too. He's saying the world's filled with wicked nations. Now, what do they do? Notice what it says. In 1, 3 through 5, they threshed with teeth, meaning they pillaged and robbed and left desolate, these people. It's like they took a bulldozer and drove down, like, down through there. I don't know if you've ever done that where there's trees and all kinds of stuff, and you push all the stuff up together and like you burn the trash pile. That's what they did with a people. In Gaza, they took captive whole communities and sold them. So it would be like a really, maybe they're really good soldiers in Gaza. They go in, wrap around the city. They, they get all these people together, and then they sell them. Tyre, they delivered whole peoples to Edom and broke the covenant of brotherhood. It's almost like uh, they made a deal with somebody and said, like, I'm not ever going to hurt you. We're buddies. We're tight. Everybody thinks, oh, yeah, like, we're all good. You know, Tyre, it's all, it's all good. And then, in just the right moment, they come in and they take deliver a whole people. It's like they carry them off and give them to Edom. With Edom, look and notice what it says. One eleven through 12, he pursued his own brother with the sword and showed no compassion. His anger raged continually. It's almost like, uh, I don't know if you've ever had, thought of it in this way, but like something that's always hungry. My kids are sometimes always hungry, right? And it's like they're always wanting to you put it out there and they're devouring it. And then 30 minutes later, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. Well, these people are hungry for wickedness. And they just keep, boom. And then 30 minutes later, they're like, what else can I eat? The problem is, is they're eating, like in a sense, they're just devouring other people and destroying them. If you keep going, 113 through 5, Ammon. They ripped open pregnant women in order to extend their borders. What are they doing? I'm going to make sure not only that I'm going to try to destroy this culture completely. Even the, the, the most, like the, uh, the pregnant woman, you say nobody would ever touch her. And uh, they don't. They want to make sure that they never, this, the people that they're coming against never stand again. Moab, they demoralized people by burning their king. So here's the deal. You ready? These are sins of cruelty, oppression, slavery, and murder. Now, if, if you were there and you heard about all these nations and you were listening, what you would say is, man, this is great. I'm glad this prophet is speaking because all of our enemies wrapping around us that always give us all this trouble, uh, God's going to judge them for all the wicked things that they've done. Well, then you keep reading Amos and you're like, oh, no, something bad's happening. I thought... And you've ever done this too. You've hung out with all your friends and you're all talking about how bad this particular group of people are or that group. And uh, if somebody comes up and say, but like, don't you do that kind of stuff? And you're like, what? And it's like, you think you're going to be better off than God? I mean, with God than those people that you're always talking trash about? That's kind of what happens. So in two, uh, I mean, as you're going on and you're moving through the text, in two, four through five, you find out about Judah. And so you're hearing that. And then it comes to Israel. So Amos almost is like their favorite prophet who's saying all the nations are going to be judged until Amos focuses in on them. That's kind of the picture. And at first they're like, well, okay, you can talk about my brother. And then it's like, whoa, hold on just a second. You're talking about us? So I want you to see that real quick. 
Amos chapter 2, verses 6 through 16. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Israel and for four, I will not revoke the punishment because they sell the righteous for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. Those who trample the head of the poor into the dust of the earth and turn aside the way of the afflicted, a man and his father go into the same girl so that my holy name is profane. They lay themselves down beside every altar on garments taken in pledge. And in the house of their God, they drink the wine of those who've been fined. Yet it was I who destroyed the Amorite before them, whose height was like the height of cedars and who was strong as oaks. I destroyed his fruits, his fruit above and his roots beneath. Also, it was I who brought you up out of the land of Egypt and led you for 40 years in the wilderness to possess the land of the Amorite. And I raised up some of your sons for prophets and some of your young men for Nazarites. It is I indeed who did this, O people of Israel, declares the Lord. But you made the Nazarites drink wine and commanded the prophets, saying, You shall not prophesy. Behold, I will press you down in your place as a cart full of sheaves pressed down. Flight shall perish from the swift, and the strong shall not retain his strength. Nor shall I the mighty save his life. He who handles the bow shall not stand, and he who is swift of foot shall not save himself. Nor shall he who rides the horse save his life. And he who is stout of heart among the mighty shall fall away naked in that day, declares the Lord. So, think about it. And I know some of this is like, oh man, we're going through a lot. Just think about this real quick. Amos the prophet shows up. And he says, hey, I know you seem like you're really prosperous. And I know a lot of y'all are like really proud of that and think like God is, must be for us. Look how prosperous we are and how powerful we are and how strong we are. God's with us. And Amos starts saying, uh, he stands up and like, hey, uh, you know those nations around you do all that wicked stuff? And they're like, uh-huh. God's going to judge all those people. And you're like, yes. Make him the CEO of all the prophets in Israel. Then he keeps speaking. You're like, what, what else do you have to say, bro? What else? And he says, you know your brother in the south, he does wicked things. God's going to judge him. And you're like, kind of take a deep breath and kind of sit down. And he's like, but how, how about y'all? Are y'all going to escape what these nations, are, are y'all, are y'all going to? face the same thing yes you are and then he lays out the things so you can think of this they sell the righteous for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals it's almost uh, it's it's almost like they um there there's so much corruption here they are buying and selling people for the price of sandals could you imagine uh, someone saying like, oh, I know you stole my shoes, and getting so angry that they would be like, okay, like sell them into slavery. That's a picture. It would almost be like, you could, this would be a modern day example, I, I, and, and I thought about this years ago, but it was like, it would almost be like somebody, um, let's say that they're uh, working for you at your house, and they somehow, uh, one flat of the flowers at your house was like not there. It's worth 12 bucks, right? Let's say they're doing a $15,000 job and this one flat of flowers is not there. And you'd be like, I know you stole that. You know what? I'm going to get you fired and make sure your family's on the street next week. 
Does that, I mean, ring a bell, stuff like that? And it's almost like in this deal of like, you're like, what? But that's kind of what went on there. You see this girl, probably a slave girl, being mistreated. It's almost like a, a trafficking situation. You see um, laying themselves down on a garment, taken in pledge. This is the idea of this. Somebody comes to you and says, I'm really, really in a bad way. Um, and, the, and you say, well, okay, well, give me your cloak. And that's your, like, thing that you wear at night when it's really cold to keep you warm. Well, at the end of the day, you're supposed to give it back to that person. You look at them and say, I'm not giving that back. Then you take it inside and, like, drape them all over the ground and throw a party. It's like, you know, they didn't need it anyway. Okay. So that was, it was like they were doing all kinds of stuff. They are drinking the wine of those who've been fined. Now, if you go to other countries or if you've ever traveled to other countries, uh, there are a lot of ways that people are always kind of falsely fining people. I mean, it might cost you like half a million dollars to build a building there and $200,000 of it's tied up in false fines, kind of. That's a real common thing in the world. I mean, in nations and in places. What they did was they would go and find somebody more than they really needed to be. I had a, Actually, I had a friend I met a couple of years ago, and he said, if you ship me something, when I show up, the guy's going to charge me like $300 to get the package. So you might send him something that was worth 50 bucks. So he's going to charge him $300, and guess what? That guy probably only made $1,000 a year, you know? And then they would take that and kind of like throw a party. The Nazarite, it's not that drinking wine was wrong. The Nazarite just set aside a time that he didn't drink wine at all, and they would make him drink wine. I mean, it's just crazy stuff. And they would tell the prophets just to be quiet. So anyway, that's kind of the big kind of picture here. I want you to see what is taking place. It's, it's these people oppressing the poor and also silencing the righteous, the people that would speak the truth. So those two groups are attacked in this culture. The more prosperous the culture, you would think everybody's going to be blessed, but that is not the picture here. That, that's kind of what's going on in Israel. And again, this is not just some random nation. This is the people of God who have his law. The people of God who have been given all these promises. And not only that, look at that text. These are the people that once were the most oppressed. These were the people that spent 400 years in Egypt. They know what bondage is like. They know what suffering is like. That, that's these people. So they've forgotten where they once were formerly. And now they're more oppressive than maybe what they experienced in Egypt. They were worse than the oppressors before. Okay, does that make sense? Y'all good? Is that making sense, like how that's being built and framed? Like that's, a, that's an astonishing thing because you have to stop and consider. Sometimes we forget. Okay, let's keep moving. I, I, don't, I know we've been going well. I'm going to hit these other things pretty quick. In chapters 3 through 6, there are five prophetic words. And you'll see, hear this word. It's like, listen up, pay attention, hear it. The lion is roared, listen. Now look at chapter 4, verse 1. I just want you to see it. We're going to look at it in more detail. 
But notice what happens in chapter 4. Hear this word, you cows of Bashan. Now, this is not something you take home and say, I'm going to start calling my wife a cow Bashan whenever. That's not what you'd want to do. But that's what he's calling the ladies in Israel. I mean, that's, is that not, would you be like, what? I mean, that's a little bit offensive, maybe. But actually, in one sense, it's not because those are the cows that had the best uh, food in all of their area. They were the most prized uh, place, and they were the most prized animals. And look what it says. Look at this. Who oppress the poor, who crush the needy, who say to your husbands, bring that we may drink. Now, here, here's the thing. This is kind of the picture. It's almost like, and I always think of uh, Jane Austen novels at this point, it's almost like these ladies of leisure are saying, do whatever you have to do to make sure that I eat really well, our kids eat really well, and we have really nice wine, right? I don't care who you have to hurt. I don't care what you have to do. I don't care what bodies are buried in the backyard. Just do what you got to do for me to have the life of luxury that I deserve. That's kind of the picture. Bring that we may drink. Now look at this, verse 2. The Lord God has sworn by his holiness that, behold, the days are coming upon you. Now listen, when they shall take you away with hooks, even the last of you with fish hooks. Guess who gets to go first in the day of judgment? Who's going first? And how are they going? They are drug out of their houses in the end. So, that's kind of the picture that you see here. Do these things happen today? Yes. And do we need to consider where they do? Yes. We'll talk about it furthermore. But I want you to see Amos 4, 4 through 5. I just, again, you're trying to get in your mind. Come to Bethel and transgress to Gilgal and multiply transgression. Bring your sacrifices every morning, your tithes every three days. Offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving of that which is leaven and proclaim freewill offerings. Publish them. For so you love to do, O people of Israel, declares the Lord. What's he saying? Keep going to church. Keep tithing. Publish it. Tell everybody about what you're doing. I do, keep doing all of those things. I can't stand it, but you keep doing it. It's heaping up guilt on you. You're really religious. You're really good at going to church. You're really good at giving. But you're not really good at embracing what the law really is calling you to, which is to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. You miss the whole thing. So keep doing that. And almost multiply your sins by doing it. Feel better about yourself. Make your worship places more and more beautiful. But know this, I see behind what is really taking place. So, keep moving. Just again, you're just trying to get a heart for what's going on here. Just trying to get a picture. In Amos chapter 5, in verse 10 through 15, what he says is, you know that place, the gate? The gate was where business was done, where things were settled when there was trouble. 
the gate was the place where you should have been able to go to the elders in that gate and speak to them about a matter, and you could trust that it was good, that they thought about what was right, that things would be done in an upright way. And he says, you know what? No, I mean, like, y'all abhor the people that speak the truth there. There's no honesty there. There's no truth there. There's no justice there. In Amos 5, 18, woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. Now, here's the idea. So they were thinking, hey, we still go to church. But he's saying, man, when God's day comes and he shows up, what you think is going to be like God applauding you for how good you've done, it is going to be the most frightening day ever. Because you're going to have all these beautiful worship places, all these beautiful houses, all this stuff, and it looks so glamorous, and it looks so amazing, and you're going to be like, look how prosperous we are, and God's done all these things, and blah, 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 blah. And then the reality is the day of the Lord will come, and God who you thought was like blessing you is actually against you. That's scary. I mean, this is a scary thing to see. I mean, it's, it's shocking to understand and consider. Now, I'm going to kind of move on because I just want you to understand that. And then in 7, 9 through 10, there's five prophetic visions. I'll just mention one. One, he uses a plumb line, and he says, which is kind of saying, like, is, it, is the wall square? Is the building sound? He says, I've dropped a, a plumb line in between you guys, and guess what I found out? It, you need to be torn down, and I'm going to do it. That's how this comes to the head now you say is it all that rough man are you serious at the very end in chapter 9 verses 11 through 15 god promises renewal after judgment renewal he promises blessing and it says in that day i'll raise up the booth of david that has fallen and repair its breaches and raise up its ruins and rebuild it as the day days of old, that, that you may possess it. And so what's he saying? There's coming a day where I'm going to restore things and make them right and make the world just and right and good and prosperous. I'm going to do this, the Lord says. So I guess you ask yourself, how is he going to do that? Well, we know that Jesus came and that Jesus came to restore us, to take people whose hearts are desperately wicked and transform them, to address our sin, to take our sin upon himself, to face the judgment we deserve so that we could be right with God and so that we could get up from being saved by God to live a life of blessing to others, to live a life of serving others, to live a life that is using our lives and our, our, our abilities to bless and serve uh, the people of God and those who are struggling in this world. That's what he says. Now you say, so what do I do, man, if I find myself looking like those people? I would just say to you, understand that there's only one way of escape, and that is to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. He came, he gave his life, he served us in a way that we could never serve him back. He blessed us, he's brought us out of the slavery and bondage of sin and brought us into uh, peace with God. He took on the judgment that we deserve so that we could be right, but not so that we could be right and continue to live like we were living, so that we could be right and start living like we ought to live in his power 
and bless others and bless the, the nation that we live in, the peoples around the world, and bless the church, those who are struggling in the church. And so all of those things are, are to be central to our minds. So, if you don't listen, Amos has something to say. Because I really, like, we'll just stop real quick and say, listen to this. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, not a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea, from north to east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. In that day, the lovely virgins and the young men will faint for thirst. I would just say to you, while it is today, while it is today, while you're sitting here today, while you have the opportunity today to hear the word of the Lord, respond, hear the lion's roar, and consider and turn to the Lord and put your hope and trust in Christ and then live a life that would bring honor and glory to him by loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask for wisdom to see where we are in violation of what it means to love you and to love others, and that we would repent, and that we put our hope in Jesus, and then we would live out a life of sacrificial service to those who are easily forgotten and that for those who have been hurt and those who we can serve in some way and that we would be a blessing to the righteous who are speaking the truth of God and living in a godly way and that we would be a blessing to the marginalized in this world. May we do so in the strength that you provide. In Christ's name, amen. If you would stand with me at this time. Today we are...